He rides a motorcycle. He looks like he rides a motorcycle. You know why? Because he does ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Can we welcome Mitch tonight? Come on. Let's welcome Mitch. Good evening, everybody. Thank you, Seth and team. That was great. Uh, my name is Mitch. I'm from LaGrande, Oregon. I'm the pastor of New Song Community Church, and I'm here to introduce my friend, Pastor Bob Graham, to you. I met Pastor Bob and his wife, Kara, in the lobby of the Red Lion in Jansen Beach probably six years ago. And LaGrande and Walla Walla are, he's the pastor of Life Church in Walla Walla, and uh, we're only about an hour or an hour and a half apart, and we take our youth group to their youth conference now for years. It used to be called Love Encounter. Now it's G3. If your youth need a good conference to go to in February, I highly recommend it. We have a lot of life change and freedom and healing testimonies from from G3. So uh, it's great. But um, Pastor Bob has been a very good friend all these years as we've gotten to know each other. He's taking care of a me well, and I've learned a lot from him, so if you would welcome Pastor Bob. This is the question and answer time. Good evening, sir. Yes. Good evening. Time to interrogate you. All right, listen, let the interrogation begin. All right, Bob. Why don't you tell us how you met your lovely wife, Kara? Oh, my lovely wife, Kara. Um pretty awesome. I was a young adult pastor, and uh, she was one of the members, and I took her. Um, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Actually, you know, we really did have one of those um, kind of clear at the beginning for me. I actually saw her before um, I really got to know her in the young adult group. I saw her at, uh, at a rodeo in a crowd of like, I don't know, a thousand people, and it was an intermission. And I remember standing up, and, and, and I was up in the cheap seats, and she was down um, hanging out with whoever down there in the box seats or whatever, standing up. And I just remember just kind of just cruising, and my eyes stopped on her, and I was, you're not going to believe me, maybe, but I, I heard this voice in my head say, won't that be funny if you marry that girl someday? <laughs> and I was like, I shook my head like that. I was like, wow, that kind of came out of nowhere, and... And then a few months later, she started coming to our, our young adult group, and I didn't put two and two together, got really interested in her, and we'll make a long story short, all the details of how we started to date, and then we were dating, and um, she began to reminisce about when's the first time we really got to know each other, and she said, I remember, because she caught eyes with me too at the rodeo, she goes, I remember seeing you at the rodeo, and I mean, just burst it out of my mouth. I go, you're the girl, and she's like, what? And I just lied right through my teeth, because there's no way I could say, won't that be funny if I marry you someday? I said, well, I just had this thought, wouldn't that be funny if we dated someday? And, but, but she kind of knew at that point, she kept chasing me down and gave me cookies and stuff, and so, so that was the end of it. No, actually, we all know that ain't true at all, because at, at lunch today, they separated our bill because they probably, they must have figured that there's no way that I could have landed her. <laughs> there were six of us. She wasn't sitting right next to me, but we didn't. And so the guys we were eating lunch with gave me a bad time. they like, yeah, that happens all the time. No one can believe that she la- he landed her. So anyway, yeah. And that was 22 years ago this year. We've been married 22 years. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Love of my life. I'm going to take this off if I can. 
say that. All right. Well, my there we go. Congratulations on 22 Thank you. years. Yeah, it's been awesome. And you have three kids. We have three kids. Tell Do we have a pick? That. Do you have a pick of my kids? There they are. This is Thad on your right. He's 17. This is Landon. He is 13. He'll be 14 in June. And this is Mariah on the left. And she is going to be 16. Is it, what's the date today? She's the 29th of this month. So she's going to be sweet 16. So 17, 16, and, and 13, almost 14. And they are, they are just awesome kids. I mean, they are such great kids. I love they my really kids. They really are. They, they really are. are. Man. I mean, yeah. So we, yeah, that's my kids. Bob had Thad preach on evangelism at the youth conference in February. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, a man came as our chaperone, one of my former elders, and he was just blown away. He's like, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. There's a high school kid up there preaching. It was, yeah. and, and uh, Josh, Pastor Josh will tell you that our kids came away from that. That, that was their mm -hmm. favorite session. So. And he lives yeah. it, man. I mean, he's, he is. Uh, we, we were in a small group the other night together, um, and, you know, we're just talking about sharing our faith and stuff, and, and he's like, I, I don't, it's not really hard for me to be a Christian on campus because everyone already knows I'm a Christian, so I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Yeah. I just think that's pretty cool. I'll just, anyway, nice. talk about my boy for a while and my girl and my boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Bob is a hunter. I've been at his house once, yes. and I saw... At least two elk mounts, did I not? You uh, did. And so and, what, um, is, what is your favorite hunting expedition um, or your wildest I, story? I like elk hunting the most. Any elk hunters? Bow Any? or rifle? Um, both, but mainly bow. I really like bow. And I mean, I, I don't want to show off or anything, but this was a couple of years ago. Um, you want to show that? Um, I mean, I don't know how these pictures got up here, but this was... Uh, that was in one year, you know, not a bad year. So let me introduce you to him. This is Brutus on the left. That was a Washington bow kill. This one in the middle, that it was a New Mexico bow kill. And the one on your right, that was a rifle Oregon kill all in one year. Come on now. That's it. You feel like preaching after looking at that. That's good. Love well, it. I actually know one of your hunting stories that you don't know that I know. Yeah, which one? Yeah, Pastor Bob and, and uh, Pastor Lawn were out deer hunting one day, and they got a buck, and they field-dressed it, and it was about a half a mile from the pickup, and they grabbed it by its hind legs and were dragging it back to the pickup, and they were about 100 yards away. The game warden pulls up, and uh, they drop their deer, and, and he picks out their tags and their rifles, and everything's legal and all that, and it's good. And, and he says, you know, guys, uh, you're dragging that buck backward. You shouldn't drag it by its hind legs. He's, and... and Pastor Bob said, well, yeah, its antlers have been catching on sticks and stuff, and we've been having to go on, unhook it and all, and we'd had some trouble getting it here. And, and the game warden said, if you, if you pick it up by the antlers and drag it, it, the hind feet won't catch on anything. And so Bob and Lon go around to the head, and they start dragging the deer, and, and Lon says, you know, this is really is a lot easier. It's not catching on all the branches and the sticks. And Bob says, yeah, but we're getting further from the pickup. Whatever. True story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you didn't know I knew that story, did I, you? No, I was going, where's this going? I, <laughs> my memory is escaping me right now. 
<laughs> All right. I can so, see that on Lon's face, too. It's like, <laughs> what did Bob tell him? <laughs> All right. So tell uh, us, uh, you, go, you pastor a great church. Yes. Uh, I, I know some of your history, but tell us the wildest thing that has ever happened during ministry or during a church uh, service. Actually, the, the most awkward and craziest things, come on, you pastors know this. We can all write a book. The, your psyche has erased it from your memory. You can't handle the pain, right? It's gone. I forgot about the worst stories completely. Um, we are, we're full of it. We're full of it. Um, and you're, I hope that you make me feel better after this meeting and tell me about all the crazy on in your guys' church meetings at times too. But when you, when you reach... People, how many of you know that, that, that not everyone has social skills, right? Not everyone. We had a couple years ago, uh, a few years ago. So our church is going to be 19 years old. It's going to be 19 years old at the end of this month. And we've been the lead pastors for 16 of it. And, uh, you know, over that amount of time, you start uh, building up things that you learn not to do. A few years ago, we... Uh, we had a pet infestation. Anybody have a pet infestation in your services? So it was like, it started because we just were gracious to people that, you know, well, we needed their pet with them to be able to sit through the service. So we allowed it. But then I think everyone and their dog <laughs> decided that how cool is this that you can take your dog for a walk and listen to the word at the same time. So we were, <laughs> we were in service, and we used to have in our old building, it was set up just like this with a middle aisle, which we got rid of after this Sunday. Aisle. All the things that we do now have come from all the stories that you, right? So we're worshiping right where you're at, right? And we're just worshiping, going, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, I mean, a Siberian husky comes in with a guy, comes in, it was just like, it comes in like this. Now, he doesn't come in and sit in the back, because you don't, you know, that doesn't give you enough attention to do that with your, I mean, we had, yeah, it's a matter of fact, am I losing, uh, did I get out of a signal, or did, did you just mute me, because I was getting bored? Okay, okay, um, I can listen to somebody else. <laughs> Sitting there, comes, comes down, walks right in the middle of worship, and, I, and the dog stunk so bad. The dog was this tall, comes right through, you know, comes right down, goes like this. <laughs> kinda, all his pastors just kind of look at one another. I don't know <laughs> what's going on right now. Goes, so he circled all the way around the room like this, came around and made his way through the back to get back here. So he, he did almost a full 360 so he could get a pretty good parade of it all. I don't, you know, we let it happen, so it was fine. Okay, well, the, the guy's in here. Listen, the dog takes up more room than a human being in a seat. He was, he was humongous. Then, so worship is over. My wife gets up to do announcements. And so the guy stands up with his dog, and he's back there. And the dog just stands up and puts his paws on the guy. So the dog's literally standing as tall as I am. He's standing up there, just kind of hanging out in the middle of the service. And no one heard a thing during announcements because <laughs> literally within a 20-foot radius, you could smell the dog. You could smell it. And... And, uh, and, and so we're thinking, my wife, she's, she's on things, right? She's like, somebody needs to take care of that dog. As soon as he went by us, right? And I don't know if, how far it made it down the road to who was going to 
make sure someone else took care of it. <laughs> Some, somebody on our staff said, you should do it. Yep, you should do it, right? And it, you know how you've ever played that? You whisper in somebody's ear and then they whisper it. I don't know. Maybe by the time I got to the end of it, it was like, go pet the dog. You know, it's like... <laughs> So stinky this all day, and as soon as I got up, as soon as I got up to preach the word, and I'm like, I'm right here, I'm trying to capture everyone's attention, he just got right up with his dog, came all the way down the front, just paraded right up front, so he really didn't want to hear the word anyway, and so he just all attention, you know, right on the dog, so at that moment, you know, you pull out anything you can, let's stand for the reading of God's word, right? (laughs) So it's right there. So, I mean, we did everything we could after that to try to figure out, what do we do about dogs. I call, I had people call, you know, on our staff, call lawyers, find out what the legal issue is on dogs. But did you know that, I I know I shouldn't spend time talking about this, but um, (laughs) it still hurts my heart a little bit about how I would look out and there were dogs peeking out a guy's shirt. Like, (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm preaching and I look over here and right over there, there's a guy with his dog just hanging out and he's just, amen, man, just a dog hanging out there. Just dogs everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> so the word got out, man. The word got out. You could take your dog to Life Church and have a ball. So we found out the legal ramifications. Do we have to allow it? I mean, even I don't. I mean, whatever the issues are. And and uh, in the state of Washington, did you know that you can have a a, a, a pet donkey? Is that what it was, Lon? A donkey? It, it was. It was a oh, a miniature pony. You can have a miniature pony. It's like anyway, churches. You're cool. You don't have to do whatever. You can do whatever you want to do. But yeah, so I mean, we could go, we could tell you stories. I mean, you guys all about, you all have, the, you do the funerals, right? And you do those and you do the open mic thing. You ever do those? You still, do you still do them? I know. Why didn't you, t- a long time ago, not to do those, right? I mean, we'll still do them every now and then, but this, <laughs> so there's this great, what we considered a great guy, got, he uh, really got his life right with the Lord, older gentleman, and, and his, I think, second wife, and, and uh, later on in life dies, and we're doing his memorial, and, and so, you know, it's kind of a small crowd, there were, you know, just a few older people that knew him, and some of his, obviously, family from before came, we did the open mic, and everyone gets up and just starts saying sweet things about the guy, right, just like, like, man, he's such a nice guy. And finally, then somebody that knew him, I think, was his brother? It was his brother. His brother gets up and goes, I don't know who the hell you're talking about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. No joke. I mean, and then the crickets began. The crickets started playing. It's like, but the guy I knew, and he was just like, he just went off back to like the girl chasing days and all that. It's like, praise him. Um, how about the water baptism? I shouldn't take any more time, but how about all the water baptism testimonies that go purely mystical, anti-biblical, and once they start, it just goes down the, down the row. Like, we taught him a class. We actually told him what water baptism is about, but it's like, I don't know. I just felt like an angel, you know, I just, it was... Uh, I, I'm works oriented and uh, I, I want to earn my way pretty much and all that kind of stuff starts spewing out and just gets down anyway so we could go off on all that stuff but I, I would like to be encouraged before I preach so if we could <laughs> if we could get past all those stories that that helped me out a lot 
What, how about hooking for Jesus, team? How about that one? We had a hooking for Jesus testimony. Or not a testimony, but yeah. Hook. She didn't quite know the Lord yet. But the, this is, we're not making this stuff up. This is what you get, when your church just get a little older, you'll have all these stories yourself. I hope, I hope you guys, um, yeah, so in a ladies' meeting, they were showing off shoes and stuff, and she had her pink, I guess they call them go-go boots, right, coming up, just doing a kind of intro before the word, having fun, and she, anyway, she, she was hooking for Jesus, that was her testimony. Hey, so, hey, and so thank, just so you know, at least for us, things never get fully ironed out, right? I mean, just one more. Can you handle one more? It's like, so just, just a couple of weeks ago. So we're like in the new building and we're amping everything up, right? We want, we want security to be up. We want our hospitality to be up. And, and man, and there's new people, right? New people. So I'm, I'm carrying on a conversation after a service in our lobby with a normal new person, <laughs> right? And I'd already talked to this abnormal new person earlier. Come on, you all know, Right? <laughs> Thank you. So I'm having a conversation, and we have a little, kind of a little seating area, and they're sitting on our cool seats, and I'm kind of leaning there, and, and our security guy brings him right to me, interrupts the conversation. So we still have a little training to do, and uh, comes right up and gets, here I am talking to normal new, doesn't, no pause, in, you know, wait, hand on shoulder, and sings in my face, three inches from my face, as loud as again. Then sings my soul, just like that, and and didn't stop. Didn't stop. I'm looking him in the in the eyes right here. I have a security guy standing right here. I'm having a conversation with normal people here. And he brought him to me to sing three inches from my face. I think I know that guy. So, I don't know if we ever get over him. So, is that all the pain I have to endure? (laughs) Well, that, my friends, is Pastor Bob. (laughs) Thank you. Fasten your seatbelts and we're going to roll. Oh, my. Do you guys have stories like that? Do you have things that happen and you don't have things like I shouldn't ask that question right now. Um, yeah, thank you for encouraging me. Thank you. Hey, so we're going to talk about church culture. So we've had an amazing time so far. Every message to me, and I think to you guys too, has been top shelf. I mean, it's like... The first one, that's, that's my favorite. Second one, well, not favorite. Third one, well, that's my favorite. They're all three my favorite, right? It's like grape and cherry. They're all my favorite. It's like, it's, it's like my favorite. All of these were my favorites. And tonight, um, we're going to talk about church culture. So not just necessarily connecting to tr- culture or um, transforming culture, but really what's the culture inside our church? Here's a little quick, you know, worship parody on contemporary church culture. It's coming.
<laughs> Come on, you like that right there? So, um, we, all, we all have an experience, right, in our, in our churches on the weekend. You have an experience, and, and you have a culture, and, and we want to we wanna talk about that. And is it the culture that you think it is? Does it feel to others the way you think it feels to others? We want to talk about that tonight. My wife and I, a couple of years ago, went on a six-week sabbatical, and oh no, this can't fall apart. It's part of my important point. I've owned this for 24 hours. Put it back to you. Oh, you know what? Let me see something. Oh, I'm good. Take it. It's all good. Um, we, went, we went to Maui, and uh, we, I know we suffered for Jesus in Maui. And we were there for like two weeks. It was awesome. We wanted to go to churches most of the time that we were gone and just experience, like Doug was saying this morning. And so we were looking for a church in Maui, and my wife had a connection in the mainland with somebody that knew of a church, was having a conference. And so we were trying to go to that church. So we Googled them. We couldn't find their website. And, but we were determined they have to be, you know, I mean, someone in the mainland is this kind of name, you know, prophetic, pretty well-known person was supposed to be there, so it must be pretty cool and we're kind of looking for something like that so maybe we'll get prophetic ministry or whatever and we couldn't find it and then we got a number and we called it answering machine 
Finally, she got an address from this person uh, on the mainland, and we, we did MapQuest, and we drove to the church. And so we went to the church, and, and to, to, to criticize it, I mean learn about what was going on. And, and we get there, and it was behind a, um, a, a chain-link fence, so the, the, but the gate was open. So we parked, we go in, and the first thing that we saw when we, we walked up was a sandwich board. And the sandwich board said, house of the Lord rules. No gum chewing, no baby's milk, and uh, no vaping. I had to look up vaping. I didn't know what that was. And, uh, and then it says, in the house of the Lord. And so then we go into the service, because that was our first thing. First experience was the sandwich board of all the things not to do. Then we go in and, and um, you know, three, four dozen people there and uh, waiting for worship to start. Worship team goes, a pretty exuberant worship team, exciting. So uh, ladies were wearing these, these, these shawls and uh, I started to get more uncomfortable. And I'm like about, I don't know, two songs into it. I just like, babe, let's go, let's leave. She's like, no, come on, stick it through on edge, right, on edge, I'm like, and then they had a, um, I mean, how many of you know, when you're on a sabbatical, you, you go to a service, and you want to, you want to relax, right, you just want to relax, and, uh, and so I was, I was pretty on edge, I didn't know what was going to happen. and then the man of God came out from up front, uh, from behind a door with about three or four people, and, um, and then, you know, worship went on. They loved each other. I could tell they did know the Lord. They really did know the Lord. And they loved one another. And then they had an altar call. Every person was up front but us two. <laughs> uh, and, but, I, but then I was, but here was the crazy thing. He, he was hearing from the Lord because his altar call, ours, our, our sabbatical was called uh, renewal. Is that what it was called? What was it? Is that what it's called? Yeah. He gave an altar call for renewal. And I'm like, I don't, I don't trust you yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't trust you yet. And she's like, come on, let's go. She's going to go. I mean, first off, we just look weird. We're the only two standing out there anymore, so everyone's up here. So we go forward. And then he's praying for people. Well, I put my arm around my wife, and my eyes are wide open. Because I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to push her over right? I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm just kind of on edge. Anyway, we, we made it through. We made it through the service. And then he ended up prophesying over us, actually picking us out, read our mail, totally read our mail. And, and, it, and it was, that was great. But by the end of it all, I had experienced their culture. And I understood some things about why there were that them. And uh, they, they were spirit-filled, and, and they could hear from the Lord. But I'm a pastor who's really, I don't think I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit, but I was on edge. And, they, and as, soon as, I, as soon as I came, as soon as I came, I experienced this. I experienced a, a no culture. Because it said, these are the house of the Lord, Lord rules. So yesterday I picked up a, a no pin. I wonder if you can hear this through this. No. There's all kinds of no's. Listen to these. No. I said no. 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 
I think we went through them. But I bought that for my buddy. I'm going to send it to him. Um, he's going to appreciate it. You're going to have some things tonight. They're going to, I'm going to go through some of your notes. And I'm going to give you some other things and emphasize some stuff and all that. So you can take some notes too. Here's my first thought for you tonight. To create a culture that I think that you really want, and this isn't on your notes, um, be sure that you have a yes culture and not a no culture. Have a yes culture, not a no culture. Here's what I've noticed about churches that, that have the vibe that I know you want, a vibe that's reaching culture and culture's coming and they're like, yeah, this is they're not on a defensive posture. They're on an offensive posture. They're not defensive where they're just protecting their own and be trying to defend all the reasons why we're not growing. They're offensive. They're, they have a yes. They have a spirit of faith. Here's how it works out practically. So someone comes to your coffee bar and goes, doesn't know that it's, you know, is, 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 your, is your coffee free? Now, you know, it's right you that it says the prices of the coffee. Instead of saying, well, no, it's not free. you like, you know, you, you, you could say this, you know, normally it is, but for you today, it's not. It's a yes culture. It's a we're here to serve you. We're, we're here to figure it out. Now, if someone comes and says, can we bring our dog? Here's, here's how you can say, yeah. Bluffing. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but you could say it like this, right? You could say, I would love to see your dog. Can you bring a picture next week? I'd love to see a picture of your dog at home. In his kennel, <laughs> hanging out through the entire service. I want to see it. Okay, so let's go through a few things. Where do we get? Where do we build our culture from? Um, of course, Jesus and and uh, and 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 Acts chapter two says this: the uh, the they worship together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let me say that that was a pretty good church culture, right? I mean, they had a vibe going on that was phenomenal. Um, It says this uh, out of John about Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of what? Grace and truth, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Here it is. Um, Jesus came with grace, truth, and on a mission. I think if we could get that, we would put a vibe inside our churches. Grace, truth, and on a mission. I want to unpack that for you. Um, First, we're really good at sensing what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. And then we negate how unchurched Sam feels in the meeting. Others of us are really good at sensing how unchurched Sam feels in the meeting and have no sense of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the meeting. So you don't want unchurched Sam to come and only meet you, but you also don't want unchurched Sam to come and not meet any of you, right? You want him to, to feel welcome and to know your people and to, and to feel so much love. It's absolutely ridiculous, right? Like he's the hero of the day. But also, he ultimately needs to meet the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes 
with grace. So another culture builder, which is in your notes, is a culture of grace. And to me, a culture of grace does focus on what we can do and not what we can't. It is the yes again. This, like in the Garden of Eden, right? There was only one tree that you couldn't eat from. But how many different fruit trees are there? Like 2,500 or something like that? There's 2,499 things that we could focus on that we could be doing. And so we can preach that way. We can teach that way. We can lead that way. These are all the things that we are doing in our church. These are the things we're doing in our community. And rather than, than listening to the naysayers of church and the naysayers of, 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 of following Jesus, we're going to be a yes people. We're going to be a grace people. Jesus obviously meets a woman at the well. And, and what does he do? He says to her, he, goes, he, go, he doesn't negate that she sinned, but he goes, where are those accusers of yours? And he goes, neither do I condemn you. Then he says, go and sin no more. So there was grace led the way. I honestly think we need to be sure that all of us, all us church leaders, not just pastors, but you kids, church workers, you administrators, you, all of the different people that you serve in church, which by the way, let me take a pause right here and say thank you for what you do everybody in the room. I want to thank you pastors in a minute. Everybody other than pastors, thank you for what you do. You, yes, thank you for what you do. You could spend your life investing it in all sorts of other things, but you choose to invest that valuable thing called time and energy into the local church. And I'm here to tell you going to reproduce for you an eternal reward that is going to outweigh anything that we could give him here. So thank you for what you do. Back on track. Culture of grace. We want to be, I'm going to go, is this all right if I tell you what we're going to do? I want to go through these notes a little bit, emphasize something that's really in my heart, and then I want us to believe for ministry. Can we do that? So I don't really want to preach a long time. Is that okay? Is that good? No? You all good? Okay. Thank you. I'll do it anyway. Um, so we want to be sure that this is happening in our world. Luke 15, I love this. All the tax collectors and outsiders were crowding around to hear what he had to say. The Pharisees and the scribes complained. A grace culture attracts Tax collectors, and you know how it says it in, in Matthew and different translations, sinners. <laughs> Y'all know, the sinners didn't even want to be relegated to the group of tax collectors because they were so low, right? It's like tax collectors were so bad. It's like they're, they're below the rung of sinners. And these are the people that, I, I love this, crowded around Jesus. They crowded around him. I don't, I don't know how, let me, let me try to explain this to us. These guys were so filthy to all the religious people. Actually, they were so filthy to everybody except other tax collectors. In fact, tax collectors probably thought other tax collectors were filthy. They were kind of like today would be like the we could come up with worse analogies, but I don't want to come up with one worse. The 19-year-old the that's hanging out at the backside of the lot of the gas station, closest to the junior high school, 
that is selling drugs to kids to get them hooked at a young age. Now, that kind of stirs something in you like, that's just despicable. It's not right. Or sex slavery or whatever. That's the sense that the tax collectors had. Jesus goes right after him. Jesus actually pursued them. Pursues them and goes, hey, do you want to be an elder in my church? You, 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 I'll, put, I'll make you my associate pastor. If you'll just come and follow me, you're the kind of people that I'm after. So I guess I, I got a question for us. Are these types of people crowding into your church? Are these types of people coming to hear your message? And I don't just mean the preacher. I don't just mean the pastor. I mean the message that we portray as a people, right? We all know there's a feeling in all our churches, right? That's kind of what I'm talking about, the atmosphere, the, the culture that exists in all our churches. And, and in fact, I bet if I asked you and I said, hey, what do you think Matt Moltz Church feels like? You would have an idea. I bet some of you would think you would know. If I asked you, what do you think our church feels like? Some of you would have an idea. If you've never been to our churches, or maybe you've never been here, if I said, what do you think this church feels like on a weekend service? Most of you have an opinion, right? Your church people. How do you get that? Where does it come from? Well, partially, I go to your website and I look, right? How many of you can look at a website? You can start to get a feel, right? You can go, I think I know a little bit about that. Well, it, it, a lot of it comes out of the personality of the leadership, right? It just comes right out of that. So you start getting a read like that. We want to be a people that the personality of our church, the people of culture that are despised by everyone else, are attracted to our message and feel welcome in our houses of worship. Come on, somebody, give an amen to that, right? We want to be cultures of grace. So if you're going to create a culture that I think you really do want, we have to be a people that are um, cultivators of a culture of grace. Um, man, I mean, I, oh, I, I grew up Catholic on one end. Then my dad got saved, and we, we, um, we went in, we took the, the plunge into Pentecostalism, and, and um, then from 15 until we planted our church when I was 30, uh, I was in that. And we, so I experienced church culture on two extremes. I experienced church culture in, in, you know, where you get pinched in the middle of the service from your mom and then shout out, why are you pinching me? You know, and it's just that kind of stuff. We're just totally boring and, uh, and going to confessional. And then I, re I experienced church where I, I, I didn't really want to invite my center friends because I knew if I did, that was going to be the day. I knew it. That was going to be the day that sister or grandma Sally was going to stand up and shout in tongues right in the back of my unsaved friend's head and part their hair. Every time this happened, every single time. I don't, do you understand what I'm talking about? Every time somebody from our family was unsaved, someone was slain in the spirit on their feet. Right, right there, boom. They have to move their purse aside. It's like, you have to explain it all a little bit later, you know. But um, I, I've been in these different cultures, and everyone has a balance of how to create a culture that you think is going to uh, attract tax collectors and outsiders and sinners. You've got to wrestle through some stuff, but we've wrestled through it, 
and feel like we, and you always will wrestle. By the way, can we just lay the playing field straight here? I just told you some of our ridiculous stories that still go on, and so our culture isn't perfect, and, but how many of you know that we all can grow, right? We can all grow. And all, so, so you're doing a lot of things right. So turn to the person next to you and say, you're doing a lot of stuff right. Come on. You're doing a lot of stuff right. Okay. But, but now tell them, you still have some growing to do. All right? You, you, you still have some growing to do. And that's okay. So let me just go through it. Here's three culture of grace extinguishers. Condemnation, religiosity, and intolerance. These will extinguish a culture of grace. Condemnation. Um, I guess, how is failure handled in your church? How do we handle that? And I think another thing about condemnation that, that can inadvertently come in is, um, is a holier-than-thou approach to all of our leadership. Leaders, some of the best ways for you to lead and to train other people is not to always tell your success stories, but to tell your struggles. So when you're trying to encourage people to pray, don't tell them how you pray an hour every day and I mean, I'm, I pray in tongues an hour every day, and, and, and that's how you'll be strong. You've got to do that. I think people feel condemned that way. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying you can't share a success story, but I think it works better if you say your story about learning how to pray longer than five minutes. So I'll share that with people. And, then, and you know, be like, and then it was, I, I, you know, I looked after I waited and waited on God, and one minute had passed, and I fell asleep, and all that stuff. You've got to share your own stuff, right? Share your struggles. I, I think... Uh, that the condemnation atmosphere kind of starts getting uh, outside of the walls of our church culture when we share our struggles more than our sainthood. Um, religiosity, uh, that's kind of a, a measure up, keep our rules. We talked about that a little bit. I think this is a big one. First Timothy chapter one, every church leader should learn this. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm the worst of them all. Paul writes this. I think we need to remember this so we never fall into a man or woman of God syndrome in any area of church leadership. Man, just remember where we've come from. If it had not been for Jesus, I would be toast today, right? And let's, let's, and if you feel like you're not really struggling with anything today, you're probably struggling with pride. Right? Right? It's because it's because if you've been in church long enough, you, you've maybe in some cultures, you've heard about certain sins that we elevate. And it's like, okay, well, you, you don't want to be in, you know, sexual sins. And you, you know, so you don't want to commit adultery. And then you, you, whatever. And you go down the list. Those are the big ones. I don't know. The last time I read my Bible, it said, um, and, and it, uh, those who are afraid. Right? So maybe I'm dealing with fear. Anyway, I, I don't, I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm just saying we're all on the same playing field. Right? And so I think that gets rid of a religious atmosphere when we all make this one of our favorite verses and gets rid of a con- condemnation atmosphere and keeps grace there. But God had mercy on me so that Christ could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You guys, early on in Pentecostalism for me, I began 
I, I really felt the anointing strong in certain ways, certain times. And I was kind of, I, I jumped in, man. I was, I, I was the guy that was going nuts. And, um, and I have learned to restrain myself for the sake of other people. Anybody understand what I'm saying? And that um, I think one of the things that can happen, Pentecostals can be the most religious people on the planet. Be, because we, um, because of the anointing, we can start to believe that that actually is us and forget that that's actually just the anointing. He made a donkey speak. <laughs> so I guess we could say I'm nothing more than a jack anyway. Um, okay, is that good? I just think that's good to help us have a grace atmosphere that we don't get religious, don't get like, wow, power's on me. Well, great, I'm glad power's on you, but just, it's, it's just remember, he, he's just him. That's him. We need Jesus. And then, so you got to have people, every church leader, you got to have people you're real with and you're sharing life with. If you're going to have a culture of grace, then you have to be real with your own issues. And, and so that's why it's really good to be married because spouses help you with your issues. Anyway, um, and all the man of God stuff. Intolerance, okay, you got notes. You can read them later. Culture of truth, another really great one. Um, so being grace-filled does not imply reluctance to speak truth or challenge sin, okay? So you got grace, but then you also have the truth. Now, I don't come from it, the truth, though, from a defensive posture. I come from truth from an offensive posture. I really do believe that Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And lust is not the way to a fulfilled life. Love is the way to a fulfilled life. And giving up your life is the way to find true life. And so you speak truth, but you speak it in hope. Okay, you speak it in hope. I'm not going to spend a lot of it, but I do think that that will create it. And then you have um, cultures of truth extinguishers. You can just read those. Inflexibility, imbalance, uh, clickishness. Maybe I could pause on that for a minute. Um, yeah, I want a family feel in our church. I really do. But, and I think we have it. I have people say that to us, but I want you to know this, and you do too, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Be careful that your family feel doesn't get too strong. It's like other people coming to someone else's family reunion. So even in that, you can, we can, we, at some point, we have to make the turn. Church isn't about me. So I'm not having a church service just so I can see my friends and I can hang out with my family. I want other people that have never heard the gospel. And this is where I want to share really my heart. It's not just a culture, not just a culture of truth, but it's a culture that is on a mission. It is a culture that is on the go. So for me, this might be the very most important cultural ingredient inside a church for me. Because I think we could do everything else. We could have our doctrine right. 
I think we could have all our points of passion good, core values, our statements of faith. I think we could have our systems and our policies and our process. I think we could have a great family feel. I think we could have all the great programs. But let me tell you what, church, if we have great church services, I don't know how you define, but you have to define what a great church service is. Okay, you have to define what that is. And we did that as MFI, what was it, last year, a win or, or something like that. You have to define what a great church service is for you truly, really. Is it at the end of a weekend you go, the spirit moved, we had two or three prophetic words, uh, we, we had a healing, and those are all great things. Please, don't get me wrong. Those are great. And it was awesome. It was awesome. But nobody got saved. Nobody got saved. If at the end of the week for me, we have awesome services and we do church really well and nobody gets rescued from hell, I need to ask the question, and I'm not cussing, what in the hell are we doing? I mean, literally, how has hell's thinking crept in to my thinking about church? Because if we pack the room with church people, worship lights up the room. Everybody has an angelic visitation. Listen, in our church, we have literally had a cloud of glory appear. We've had it. Right above here, just, uh, just twirl for about five minutes, cloud of glory appear. It's awesome. At the end of the day, honestly, it was like, that doesn't move me. That doesn't move me like a guy that has been hooked on drugs. He's been broken in that situation in his life because of how his dad treated him. And he has never had hope. And somehow, some way, somebody in our church said, hey, do you want to come to church? Would you want to come to church with me this weekend and came, had never entered a church before, but because the culture was filled with grace and truth to lead them in the way of life and life everlasting and the spirit of the Lord touched them. Listen, that moves me way more than a cloud of glory that all the church can tweet about and Facebook about and Instagram about and go, hey, did you see that? I would rather say, hey, let me take a pic with you, which a guy did just this weekend. Took, hey, can I take my picture with you? I got a thumbs up. This is cool. I would much rather have a cloud of glory of somebody who's been broken in life and in sin and they found God. Come on, somebody, come on. A culture on the go, a culture of mission. Let me share with you really quickly how the gospel of Mark starts, how the gospel of Mark ends. It goes like this. Um, Mark chapter one, Jesus goes, come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. We got to be careful. Have to be careful that we do not read this. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make your life better. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll help you have goodness. Come, fo come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. That's how he begins in Mark chapter 16. Jesus said to his followers, go, shout go. go. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to 
everyone. This is how our lives are to begin in Jesus. And this is how our lives are to end in Jesus. We are not a club trying to hang out and protect ourselves from the world inside the church. Come on, somebody. We're an army, man. We are fishers of men. We are here to change and transform culture one soul at a time. (laughs) Life change happens through going. And so we come to conferences like this, and uh, I typically go, what can I do? What can I do different? What can I do different? Honestly, you guys, you guys are doing so many things good. Just, just, we're, we're all doing so much stuff great. Usually, usually, it's just a small tweak that'll, that'll make the massive difference. A small tweak that I would like to encourage you to go on is not what, but why. Not what are we doing. Why are we doing it? Now, what can we do different? Why do we do what we do? Let me show you this Buster Douglas. And man, I'm just, you get what I'm doing here in a second. Play my little Buster Douglas video of knowing my why has to be greater than my what. Stand up, five people, and tell them your why has got to be greater than your what. Come on, fist bump them. Your why has got to be greater than your what. Oh, baby. Oh, your why has to be greater than your what. Now sit back down. Our why has to be greater than our what. And this is really the essence of what I feel like I want to give you tonight. What I want to impart to you tonight. 
And that is, yes, we got to be a yes people and not a no people. We got to be grace and we got to be truth. But ultimately, all the what's that we could build into our cultures have to be fueled by our why. And I want you to know, church, all the things that you go through, all the trials and the tribulations and the conflict resolutions and the people that come and the people that go, you'll never have everything you need to overcome all those troubles if your why is just to build a great church. But if your why is to reach lost souls, you'll go through hell and high water to do whatever it takes to reach another broken life. So our why has to be greater. So I, 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 I want to be the type of people, and I know that you do too, where, man, Jesus, reinvigorate my soul to love lost people. I just today invited someone to your church from our hotel. And listen, she's hungry. She's stinking hungry. She's like, I've been looking for a church. I, I go, this church is amazing. And you know what her first question was? She goes, well, do they have anything for the kids? I don't even know what they do for kids. I exaggerated. I go, are you kidding me? Kids, they're all about kids. You are now. Right? I'm like, that place rocks it with kids. They got an entire area just for kids. I go, you're going to love it. And then I tell her about the service times. Check this out. I go, you know when their service times are? Check it out. Saturday night. I hope this is right. 606. And I go, Sunday morning, 9.09, she starts smiling. I go, and 11.11. She's like cracking up with me a little bit. She's hungry, though. She was like, it's a, it's a good church. I tell her, you just go, I don't even know anywhere. I go, you go right down this road. There's a street called Kathleen. You take a right, and it's like right over in there. She's like, I'm going to try it. You know what? We need to exaggerate how great our churches are. Listen, honestly, I'm being serious. You're, you may feel like you're exaggerating, but to someone who's never been to church and gets born again, you didn't exaggerate enough. So listen, I'm telling you, all church leaders, you every week should invite people to your church as if it's the biggest event you've ever put on. Like, this is unbelievable how good our church is. Lie. God will forgive you. Go for it. <laughs> Hudson Taylor said this, and then we're going to pray. After about three more quotes, a couple more points, and another scripture or two. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. I'm just going to give you a few quotes. C.T. Studd, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. John Faulkner, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. I love that. So, culture of movement extinguishers, you can read them there in your notes. Confusion, impatience, you got to be clear about your, your vision, and you got to lead people s- slowly. Um, can I give you one more thing? Just one more? No. We'll close in prayer. Um, you got a microphone, you can interrupt me. Come on up, you team. 
whoever else goes with that team. <laughs> this See, worship teams know. They go, it's time to slow him down. We'll get up and start <laughs> playing behind him. We'll turn up the music a little louder. <laughs> turn him down a little more. He'll feel the anointing and he'll get down. It's good. You guys should do that for us. Help us out. One more culture maker. Okay, ready? For us, anyway, this is important. It may or may, I think it should be important for all of us. And this is going to sound really deep. I mean, this may be the deepest thing you get all week. Cultivate a culture of fun. Cultivate a culture of of fun. So don't believe the lie that fun is not spiritual. Um, you know, our understanding of Jesus is dictating our culture. So if we think Jesus is mad at us all the time, we're mad at the people, right? I mean, you don't, don't be mad at the people. Even when people don't show up to serve, don't be, don't be mad at them. You know, and people are coming late to your services, don't be mad at them. If you weren't the pastor, you'd be late too. You know it's true. You know why you know it's true? You come late to these things all the time. It's true. Right? We're up here and we're like, you should be here for prayer and all that. And it's like, when we have conferences, you're like, coming in 30 minutes late, last song. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Conference. Love it. Right. I mean, are you really about the people, you know? I want it to feel right when they come. Anyway. Have fun. Um, I don't know what your picture of Jesus is, ultimately, but um, this is what the Bible says about him. Hebrews 1. Therefore, O God, your God, speaking of Jesus, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. So I, you could just picture the happiest person you've ever met in your life the funniest person you've ever met in your life. Jesus is funnier. His smile is bigger. His jokes will make you, your belly hurt. He's, he's that. I have a picture in my office that I've had for 25 years at home. And it's of Jesus laughing because when I was in my 20s and I was going to a, a college ministry I was leading at the community college, I was so frustrated. I had revival in reverse. I, I was just like so discouraged. I didn't want to go to my own meeting. Right? Which, by the way, we should probably want to go to our own churches. So create a culture you want to go to. Anyway, I, was, I didn't want to go. It was like it had started off with whatever, 60 or something, and I got it down to grandma and a few others. And I'm driving in, and I'm complaining, I mean, I'm praying, I'm interceding for the meeting, and uh, it, it's the only time in my life that I had a picture of Jesus show up while I was driving my car. I'm thoroughly discouraged. I think it's like the worst day on planet Earth, and the picture, while I'm driving, just appears, he's laughing his head off not at me he's just not stressed like I am and I really do think that part of creating a culture of fun is to relax 
and laugh about the weird things that happen when dogs come through and literally smell bad. Now we've gotten better to laugh quicker. You know, over time, you learn to laugh quicker. At first, you're like, oh dear Lord, you know. But after doing church for years, it's helped me. This isn't the last service we're gonna have. I don't know when you cross the line from that into a little bit of cynicism. <laughs> uh, Spirit was moving today. Now nah, the room was full. Uh, anyway, um, see what I mean? It's like, but you gotta learn to laugh about it. You gotta learn to laugh about stuff. You gotta just relax, not get so stressed out about everything. And and, I, and Jesus is laughing head off and in my face right here. And it did something to me. I realized that uh, I don't have to be nearly as stressed out about stuff as he is, as, as I was. And so we've learned to have fun in church. We've learned to our services to be fun, but to also be anointed. I, well, I said that in a way I didn't want to say it. As if fun is not anointed. I actually believe this with all my heart. God anoints me to be funny. His anointing, same power of the Holy Spirit, anoints me in our services to make people laugh. I think you were anointed today. That wasn't your personality just coming out only. It's the anointing of the Lord. And we only recognize, oftentimes the Pentecostals recognize the anointing when they fall over, they get healed. But you know, laughter is a medicine. And so begin to create cultures of fun. And I guess here's what I want to say. Enjoy Enjoy the journey. Because if you're not enjoying the journey today, listen to this. Type A people, you won't enjoy the destination. If you don't learn to enjoy the journey today, you won't enjoy the destination. There's always going to be a drive in you type A driven people. I'm going to talk to you lead pastors a lot. There's always going to be a drive in you. And your church will never reach a size where you will think, I've arrived. It never will. However big you get, there will always be other relationships in your life that will challenge you and you'll think, i got to get back up. the journey now and you'll enjoy the destination and to do that you just learn to have fun laugh at yourself laugh at yourself laugh at your own mistakes and definitely laugh at your staffs <laughs> enjoy those ones a lot because they love enjoying yours is that good yeah Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I feel like that um, the Holy Spirit wants to fill church leaders up tonight. For some of you, I, I think He's going to fill you with joy. I think for some of you, He's going to fill you up with a passion to reach lost people. I don't know what it might be for you. But there's an area you need to be filled up, and He wants to fill you. So we're going to take 20 minutes right now, 
And we're just going to worship and start calling on the Spirit of the Lord to come and to fill you up. Are you good with that? Can you do that with me? Stand up with me, will you? Here's what I'd like to ask, too, is I would like to ask that Doug and Peggy Sherman would come up front, and Jeff and you're there, and, and Matt and Lisa. If you'd come up front, don't look at the people. Just come be in a front row seat right here. Just stand, stand right here. And um, who else was part of the prayer team? It was Jeff, you, you, and Matt and Lisa. Just, here's what I want you guys to do, husbands and wives and Bob and Cindy, is I'd like you while we begin to worship I want you guys to just and you're gonna do it if the Lord speaks to you I want you to come up take a mic and prophesy something into people and just release the word of the Lord into people can we do that tonight let's do it okay come on let's just declare let's just sing unto his name we worship you Jesus let me just pray for us while we do this Father thank you for coming right now you're here we worship your name Lord oh, we're gonna sing your praise yes we were we're gonna sing your praise Oh, you're always worthy. Yeah, you're worthy. Oh, you're always worthy, Jesus. Come on, let's sing. We love you. We love you. Oh, we love you. Oh, we'll stop. Can't live without you, Jesus. We love you. Can't get enough. Oh, this. See it again. We love you. We'll never stop.
And that song is going to come out in joy and strength and power. And it's going to start here tonight as you lay down the old song and pick up the new song. Come on.
you right now that you're pouring your Holy Spirit over every soul of every uh, man and every woman in this room right now. Would you lay hands on your own heart? Father, right now, every spirit of discouragement in the name of Jesus, I say the Lord drive it far from uh, your shoulders and far from your heart. I pray, God, for the encourage, encourage, encourage. Lord, we prophesy courage into this room. We prophesy courage into the heart of every leader. You have what it takes. I've given you everything you need to become the greatest in that area. Right now, Father, we prophesy courage, 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 courage. Fill the heart encourage every heart in this room father spirit of the pray healing over disillusionment tonight in jesus name Hmm. heal it heal it heal it we prophesy healing Hmm. the lifter of your head is coming to you right now Hmm. and he's laughing in the face of your enemies Oh, thank you, Father. Pour out the oil of joy on your kids. Pour out the oil of joy on your sons and on your daughters. Fill them with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Father, I pray that you would remove the Monday morning blues. I pray, God, for such a strong spirit of joy that father these people would fall asleep with a smile on their face wake up in the middle of the night laughing (laughs) thank you God you're not stressed out I pray that you share that with your church leaders they have what it takes in you they have everything they need in you Holy Spirit, you are our fuel. You are our passion. You are our purpose. You are our dream. You are everything we need. We love you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. You know, while we were worshiping, I just had this picture. You know, sometimes I think we're pastors and we're leaders and we're carrying, man, we're making it happen. And I don't know, I'm, I know I'm in the room with the same kind of people. We feel that weight and we're, we're pressing on. We're loving Jesus and we're, we're doing all this for the kingdom. But ultimately, he's in charge of, 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 it, of it all. And I think it's so great in a night like this to be like, hey, he's in charge. We can be children. We can be kids. Someone else is going to make it happen. And, um, you know, I was thinking we have these fears as pastors, things that if, if you think about it right now, your stomach will turn. The things that you're thinking about, things that we're working on, they're like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. God wants to deliver us of those fears tonight. You know, I was thinking about my own kids. They're not worried about provision because I'm I'm the mom and this is the dad of the house. We bring provision. They're not going around worrying if food's going to come or how it's all going to work out or are we going to pay our bills or is the mortgage going to get paid? They're just kids. They just enjoy the atmosphere of the room. And tonight, Jesus just wants to be our dad. And, you know, I felt like this. Whatever fear it is that's oh in my, your mind, I want you to go ahead and bring it up and then just yeah. laugh about it. Come on. What if that happened? I don't know. I can't change it. Only he can. Oh. You know what? Because fear keeps us paralyzed. It keeps us bound. And I don't know. What if that happens? What if? What if? What if my church falls apart? What if I go home? And what if they do? <laughs> They'll kick me out. I'll have to try a new job. Yeah. I don't know. But Jesus God's is still gonna good. God's going to love me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we, were praying. we were praying tonight before we came. And one of the guys on our team said, I just saw this picture of Jesus sitting on the throne back at the edge, uh, edge of the 
stage, an altar. And I thought, you know what, sometimes we just need a reminder that he's up on the throne. <laughs> so tonight, I want us just to do that. Sometimes I just dance before God. Why? Because it makes me feel like a child. And it relieves some of that. You know what, I don't Absolutely. have to make this happen. I don't have to carry this weight. It's his burden. It's his, his burden is easy. His weight is easy. And so I just want us to, sometimes we just, I want to bring up those fears and laugh them right off. Awesome. And worship and dance. And I want to make this declaration. And then can we, you got, start prophesying in a second. I know you got something in you. Break your fears. These people are nice. Most of them. Anyway, I want to say this. I feel like the Lord just wanted me to say this over somebody. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You are not going to fail. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You're going to make it. You are not going to fail. And hear this. You're actually going to make it big. God's going to turn your weakness into strength. And something amazing is going to happen through your life. Okay. I don't know. Do something like big and all that thing up there. This is the song that everyone knows. Right song that everybody knows. We want to do the one that we all know. We're going to pick it up big. Come on, on, let's rejoice. We wait for you. We wait for worship service this picture just came out of my heart about who God made you to be Seth the lion of the tribe of Judah resides 
in your voice. He resides in your heart and a declaration comes out of you. You don't even, I don't know if a lion actually knows how intimidating his role, I don't know if he knows how intimidating that is. I don't think you yet fully understand, and it's okay, it'll probably always be hidden from your eyes for your own good. How intimidating to hell the lion's roar that comes out of you. And I feel like the Lord just wants you to know that, I mean, the lion literally is right behind you and in you when you begin to roars through you and he empties the room of every obstacle, every enemy that is trying to infiltrate into the, into the meetings that go on in church, he roars through you and it is the anointing of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And I just, I love you. Okay. I, I just, I just had one other word. It was for Joel. Oh, hi there. So I just felt the Lord tell me this, that you're going to have offers uh, and, and you've had offers for music that you've turned down because of your heart for the uh, local church and you felt like I, I can't chase that but the Lord's going to bring offers your way that you're not to turn down that you're to go and play go and sing go and record and be a part and God's going to open up a door for you and it's the right time and God is going to bless you and you're not going to lose your heart of humility and your heart for the house of the Lord but God is going to put you the Bible says this, do I light a man on fire and hide him under a bed? Sure. No, I put him up on a platform Come on. so he could shine. I just see the Lord is going to do something unique and special in the very near days for you with this. Powerful. Doug, you got something? Joel has something. Oh, Joel has something, okay. Um, tonight while I was in worship, I heard the sound of bones rattling together. And I felt, I felt the Lord say that there, actually, I heard a question in the atmosphere. And the question was, Lord, how can my church have revival when I can't even revive it? And I felt like the Lord wanted me to repeat this over you, over these leaders that are in this room saying, God, they've been praying and praying and praying and praying for renewal. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to read this over you. The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and Come set on. me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the bones. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And there was a noise, a sound. Bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breathe from the four winds, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And so we prophesy tonight, Lord, that there is a new wave of your Holy Spirit. 
your side And I'm bringing fresh new life And your toy, he's singing this over you God in vain And I've seen your trial, your pain And I never left your side And I'm breathing fresh new life Fresh new life to you. Oh, I'm breathing, I'm breathing, I'm breathing life to you. Breathing life to you. Breathing life to you. Let the bones rise up. Let the bones rise up. New life to you. New life to you. deposit 
faith yeah. in us to Absolutely. believe that every fear that you have can be conquered. I thought I conquered fear a long time ago. And this last season, I thought, I have not known fear like fear came over me. It came over me. It distracted me, and I feel like if the enemy could come to you tonight and distract you from the very purpose that he has called you to, he will do that. And so the only thing that I know how to replace fear is faith. No, God, I know who you are. I have known you since I was young. And the same man, the same God, the same Father that rescued me is here to rescue you Come tonight. On. Remember his history with you. Remember what he's done for you. Come on, remember how he saved you from the pit. Remember where you came from and who you are today. God is here to rescue you. God is here to set us free. Thank God you, is Lord. here to touch our cities. God is Come here on, to Jesus. touch your family. God is here to touch your people. So Jesus, we pray, God, for just an increasing of faith yes. in our lives, God. Lord, that everything that has tormented us, everything that has Break come it. against us, be broken tonight, God. Yes. Lord, that you would come and you would deposit faith in us, Lord, to believe all that you have said over us, to believe all the things that you've done in our past, God. Remind us of who you are. God, you are a good, good father. Yes, you are, and father. you are here, Lord. So we ask for every fear to be conquered, God, and that you would replace it with a faith. Amen, amen. Thank you. Powerful. Give us a couple more minutes. Awesome, Lisa. Powerful. I think there's uh, a few couples here that I'm supposed to tell you something that is very hard for me to say and admit publicly in this room. But three years ago, I've been a pastor for five years of our church, and my wife and I came to the place where we had to decide if we wanted to stay married. Nobody packed any bags. There was no adultery. There was no abuse. But uh, she left a couple times and didn't want to come back. Our marriage just went through a time when it was just hell. It was so dark and so hard and so, there was so much conflict between us and neither one of us could explain it. We didn't know what was going on. We just hang on. <laughs> we just endure the season and, and there was, you know, somebody asked Pastor Bob this morning, what is the greatest day of your life? I would tell you the greatest day of my life is not when we got married. The greatest day of my life was three years ago when I decided not to divorce Sarah. Oh, come on. And because we, I didn't quit and she didn't quit. And now the last three years have been the best out of 19 years. Have been the most amazing, loving, close, awesome friendship ever. I just, I, I, somebody here needs to hear that. Because what Pastor Bob just said earlier is you're going to make it. Yes, you are. You're going to make it. What we yes, just sang, are. what we just sang is it's over. It's finished. Love has won. Come on. Somebody needs that prophesied over your marriage right now. You got to believe it's over. Love has won. The season is done. You've passed the test. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up. I don't know who I'm speaking to. I don't want to single anybody out, but I'm just telling you, don't give up. Don't quit. You can make it. You can make it. Like Lisa just said, yeah, we're pastors people. We're real people. We're real good at ministering to other people. We're not real good at 
following our own advice. <laughs> Don't quit. Don't quit. You can make it. And, and yeah, what you just said is it, it's so amazing and awesome on the other side. If you want to talk to me afterward, God bless you. I would love to pray for you. Do not quit. You can make it. Don't, don't awesome. quit. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, don't. So good. Hey, this is church, right? Y'all good? Yeah. It's church. You know, at the at the very uh, at the end of worship, when uh, Pastor Jeff was up here and he told you guys to pray for your cities, I felt like the Holy Spirit said that there were some in here that are just so worn out that they didn't even have the heart to pray for their city. And I'm here to tell you guys that God has promised you those cities. You know, there's a time where they didn't call Jerusalem, Jerusalem. They called it the city of David. And I think that you guys need to rename your cities. The city of Coeur d'Alene is, is the city of J.O. and Radine. And I want you guys to walla walla. It's the, it's the city that you guys have claimed. God says it is your city. He's, he's promised you, though. You have got to stop giving up. It's not about you. You are at the end of your rope because you've forgotten who promised you the city. It is God's city, and he's given it to each and every one of you. So if you are that person that just you just kind of hung your head, and you couldn't even find it in your heart to pray for your city, I'm going to pray for you right now. Because I said... God said he's going to meet you right there. He's going to meet you in that moment of defeat. Those dry bones, God is going to come and he's going to resurrect the promise that he gave you for that city because God is not done with your city. God, I just pray right now that every single person, God, that just felt defeat in their heart when they tried to utter the name of their city, God, I pray that you would resurrect life in their heart. God, that you would resurrect, you would give them the keys to the city, that they would declare, that's my city in the name of Jesus. God, and I pray right now that there would be an excitement and that there would be a fire and that they would be rejuvenated and that they would know that the God of the impossible is with them to restore them and to restore city in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Don. All right, guys, come on up. Really quick before we close, um, I kept getting an impression, a pretty specific impression throughout this time that we've been praying of a pastor just going through the motions. And it's like they were walking in, they were walking out of their house and they walked in to the church and they were just kind of hoping that nobody would find out about how they really feel until they could just get in their office. And then I saw them sitting in their office and just like using all their energy to think, what's my next move? How can I get back out of here? I hope I don't see anybody so I can get back to my house. And it's just been this perpetual thing of I hope nobody finds out. And then I just felt like the Lord, and he's so beautiful about this. When he exposes something, it's never to condemn or convict or like now you got caught. But he brings it up to the surface so that he can heal it. And I felt like that was a word for someone in this room tonight. So strong the entire time. All these, like, it had to be specific. You had to hear those few impressions, those pictures that I saw, so that you would know that God is talking to you. And he's bringing it to the surface. Because it's like you are found out, but in the most beautiful way. You're in the safest place, and it doesn't have to be like this. And you didn't know how to get yourself out of this situation. But God says tonight, I'm going to touch it, and I'm going to heal it, and I'm going to speak to you. And you're going to have this encounter, and it's not over. And yeah, you've been found out, but because there's so much more inside of you that God wants to do. And the enemy's got you in this place of such a small place that literally exposed if you're not in your comfortable zone of your office 
or your home and God is freeing you tonight and whatever level you want to of course come clean with God but if there's a pastor that you want to talk to about it and have them pray with you tonight is the night you're not going to leave here unhealed amen honey would you mind praying over them right now right where they are maybe they can just slip their hand on their heart and you pray for them Father, I just want to pray over this whole ministry time because so much was said. There was such an impartation. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you care about us so much that in all the world you came and visited us tonight and brought these beautiful words for these beautiful people. God, there's so that you want to do. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that your spirit has come, Lord, to bring joy, God, to set free. Father, to give us a new heart to reach the people in our city. I feel like the Holy Spirit is bringing a new confidence tonight to just be yourself. Confidence, to, you got something inside of you that somebody needs. Now, what kind of confidence is that? There's nobody that's gonna be able to share the gospel like you. There's no one that's gonna be able to bring that situation. And I even just sense a new prophetic impartation tonight for those of you who said I would never be asked to prophesy I don't have a prophetic word and there is a word inside of you that a lost and dying and confused world needs to hear and father we just thank you that you are anointing afresh you are just a rattling those bones as somebody prophesied. You are bringing a, an oil of joy over people in here. You are stirring up gifts that have been laying dormant far too long and the confidence for us to walk in them because it is not about us. It's about all those people out there that need to hear the word that we have. Father, I pray a blessing over these servants of the Lord. God, I pray that you would blow across here, blow off the condemnation, blow off the guilt. I, I just sense the Holy Spirit blowing off shit. some of you. Come clean tonight. You don't have to live this way anymore. It goes in you in the most beautiful way to be honest with him so he can heal you, so he can kiss it all better and give you that confidence to go out and do everything to accomplish everything that he's called you to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Kiss it all better. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? We're about to transition into communion. I just wanted to be obedient whenever uh, Pastor Bob says, you know, you, you, know you, you, you got a word. And as soon as he said that, I felt the word multiply, just spring up out of my heart. And I just wanted to pray before we go into communion. If you've been stuck and you feel like, man, we haven't grown, we may have went backwards. I just think that in closing tonight, before we go into communion, God wants to unstick that. Um, we count people because every person counts, and it's important. I think something that is healthy grows, and God just wants, I believe, just to bring breakthrough in some of your churches tonight. Is that, is that okay? I got a scripture for you. saying, surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. God wants to bring multiplication to you tonight. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where you are, if you feel like that's you anywhere. If you're around them, would you just slip your hand over on them? We're just going to pray and believe for an impartation. We're going to believe for a breakthrough, for a release, wherever they are. 
wherever they are. I love going to the house of the Lord because their church is like as big as the population of the little sign as you come in there. It's just like, wow, this is crazy. Father, we lift up those who, God, I just, I just hear Jesus talking there uh, to the, the Samaritans and the woman at the well. Lift up your eyes. Come on. Let your eyes be lifted tonight. The, the, the fields are white with reaping. They're, they're, they're ready for harvest. And, and I just pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see, Father, like the day of Elijah where his servant was fearful and, and he went out and prayed over his eyes and he, there was more for them than there was against them, Father. Lord, open their eyes tonight. Let them see the harvest field in their city, in their country, in the surrounding areas and town, Father. We pray for a, a multiplying anointing father just a release in the heavenlies father we declare it over the cities tonight in jesus name addition and multiplying addition and multiplying like 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 pastor bob was was pre the, the, the culture of going and and then what turns him on is seeing people say father we pray a release of over the churches of of mfi in this region and a2 in the name of the lord jesus christ father we pray pray multiply. Father, we declare blessing and multiplication over your people in the powerful name of Jesus. And if you just kind of believe that and receive that with me tonight, would you say amen? Amen. Pastor Jeff, he's going to lead us in communion and in closing of this wonderful time with the Lord. Amazing, amazing time, amazing presence. You thought we were just going to have a conference. It's like one of those regular old conferences, right? So good. You know, I, I uh, as we as we move into communion, I knew I was been asked uh, by Pastor Bob to facilitate this, but uh, as soon as as soon as we knew what was going to happen and, 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 and Pastor Bob Grimm had asked us, he said, man, just be ready to stir your hearts. And uh, I, I just felt like the Lord dropped this. This is, this is not part of the communion devotional that I have. Uh, that'll only take a, a moment or two uh, tonight. But I felt like the Lord dropped Isaiah 50, uh, verse 4, right into my spirit right away. And, and, and the word says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I might know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. And morning by morning he awakens and he awakens my ear to hear as those who are, are taught. Another translation said, and the Lord has given me an instructed tongue that I may have a word for those who are weary. And in the sense that I had um, tonight, and the reason I didn't, I didn't jump up, uh, you know, a little early because I knew I'd be up here was that I believe that there are some uh, leaders here that don't believe that you have the sound to touch your culture. I believe that there are leaders here, pastors here, that there's been a question in your heart. Where's the, where's the sound? But God is so faithful because he says, the Lord has awakened me. And has given me an instructed tongue. And I, and I just want to pray really quick, Lord Jesus, right now, I pray for anyone here. That God, there, there's been a, a, 
a difficulty hearing. It's, a, it's, it's almost like I sense the question in your heart is, is like, man, how can I hear from God? I haven't heard from God for a while. There's been something that has just died in my ability to hear from God. If that's you um, um, tonight, would you just slip your hand up and just kind of receive that? Because I believe that God wants to open up a, a, a fresh uh, hearing. It's almost to give you something that will allow you and enable you to have the word. If that's you tonight, it's okay. Hey, there's times I've walked through seasons where I'm going, God, where are you? I need to hear you. Please, God, I need to hear you. That's you tonight. Just receive that. Amen. God wants to release that. Um, we're going we're gonna to share communion tonight. And, and occasionally, I've thought about how some of the traditions and practices that that we do today as a church would be viewed by the early church leaders and elders. I mean, have you ever thought about that? The Apostle Paul, hey, you got to make sure you give your outline to the creative you know, person so that they can do you this bomb PowerPoint. I mean, I think it's amazing some of those things that we do today that would be foreign to them. But one of the things that's really um, stuck with me is communion or the Lord's table has always touched something, you know, really deep in me because it's like we're sharing something shared for thousands of years. I mean, it's something that we do that we... links us together historically. I mean, and, and, to, and to me, that's really deep with the early church. Links us to the evening that Jesus uh, met with his disciples. And in Samuel chapter 2, Verse uh, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, in, Sam, in 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, there's a prophetic picture that, that, that I'm always reminded of. Of the heart of a king, and it's illustrated by King David, named Mephibosheth, that always draws my heart when I think or consider communion or the Lord's table. I want to read that to you. 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 13. It says, then David said, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I'm your servant. The king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who's crippled in both feet. And so the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he's in the house of Machir and the, uh, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here's your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely so show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore you to all the land of your grandfather Saul and you shall eat at my table regularly. Now we know by the story that what had happened was that he was dropped by the nurse that was supposed to take care of him and that nurse didn't know the heart of the king and was running away. Uh, so Mephibosheth then lived in this household of Mashiar, which basically is translated uh, slave or, or, or a bartered slave. 
And, and also he lived in the land of Lodabar, which is translated as no pasture, no word, and no communication. Now his name meant, Mephibosheth, his name translated meant destroyer of idols. So here was someone that was, that was dropped, that was wounded, and it's a prophetic picture of even people today that flee from the goodness of the king in his heart and are crippled and live far below the purpose and destiny that God had imagined for them. I mean, it's an amazing picture. And it's also a prophetic picture of a king to pursue and to search the lost, the crippled, the barren, and invite them into a relationship with him, invite them into a table that he serves. Even in the garden when Adam fell, God was the first pursuer, went right after Adam. And so 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 13 says, Phibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. And then it says, now he was lame in both feet. You know, I I, I believe that as we consider this, it was a prophetic picture because as he came to the Lord's table, to the king's table, you couldn't see the lameness. It was covered by that table. It was covered by the table. And I really believe that Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians 11, 13, because he said, so then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another because in the culture of that Corinth, Corinth church, what you found was there was a, a, a kind of a pecking order. There was an economic and there was a social order. And Paul was saying, actually, you need to wait. You need to understand that the Lord's table evens things out for everyone. See, the Lord's table puts everyone at the same level. It reminds us of our dependence on Christ and the covenant that he instituted on our behalf. Now, for me personally, MFI is a it's not a structure even though there's structure to it it's a relationship and it's a brotherhood and it's it, it it's something that that there's shared values and strength together and because of that for me personally it's an honor to be able to partake of the Lord's table together there's something that actually links us together when we do this in Mark chapter 14 and verse 22 It says, and while they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take this, this is my body. So here's what I'd like you to do tonight. Can you just take a moment? And I know the lights are down, but can you just kind of look around? Can you just look around at his body? Look around at his body. And can you take a moment now and just and, and close your eyes? And I want you to envision the congregation that you lead or that you're a part of. Man, that's a body. That's his body. That's his body. That's his body. We're his body. So, Lord, tonight as we partake... We just ask you would bless the body. We ask for your blessing. God, as we see that in your word that you took bread and and you blessed it and you broke it, that those are just a powerful, enduring symbol. And so we ask that you would bless it. In Jesus' name, would you just take 
in verse 23, it goes on to say, And then when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is the my, my blood of the covenant which is poured out for me. So can we just consider for a moment and celebrate the glorious covenant that this symbolizes? Thank you for that moment. Thank you for that amazing picture, God, that we're still walking, that we're still partaking of, that we're still able to to understand. We ask that you would bless this, and we bless it. Would you just partake? Lord, we thank you. I thank you for the encouragement that's poured out. And just the last, it's, it's amazing what you've done. I believe what's amazing what you've done. In just the last evening and, and, and day and, and second evening. God, I believe that tonight there's been people that have been encouraged. They've been equipped. That God, you've spoken to them. And God, I believe that you've mended some things tonight. I believe there's been a spirit of repair in this place tonight. I believe that, God, as we've come together, that you've even surprised us with the depth of how you've moved. God, I believe that we've made room tonight. We've been encouraged by your word, and because we've made room that, God, you've come in, and there's been a visitation that will endure. God, I believe that there are people that maybe had come in here tonight and and they were discouraged, but God, they're leaving encouraged. They were uh, just in a place where they wondered, where am I going to get the currency to continue? And God, you just, you just refreshed. You just refreshed us. Love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, Seth, would you just lead us? Sometimes they do stuff they weren't supposed to do. Uh, one time, our, our girls, we had a lady who lives across the street that, that used to uh, uh, spy on us all the time. We actually found out later that she... And uh, one, one day, they, the girls dressed up like Cindy's grandmother, put her wig on and clothes on, and then took the garbage out. And the lady called us and said, why do you make your grandmother take the garbage out? And... Uh, that's that's the one I'm going to share with you. But there are other things that he did. Before the conferences, we were preparing the conference. I, it's really been my heart. I've been, I've been praying about this, that 
God, I, I really want you to refresh and encourage people. I've, I've traveled to most of your churches and visited with you. And, and actually, a number of people have told me sometimes when they go to a conference, uh, they get overwhelmed. Or, or they, they, they leave discouraged instead of encouraged because they don't measure up. And I'm, I'm not asking you to identify this. I'm just telling you reality. People have talked to me about this. And, and so I really, my prayer was, God, please, this time, can they leave encouraged? God, can you bless them? I, I, I didn't know what Bob was going to preach. I knew he was going to talk about culture in your church, but I didn't know what he was going to emphasize. But when I walked in for worship, I sat down. And, and I noticed Bob and Frank were gone now. They were gone back, and they, they laid some foundation, did some really some, some great stuff with us but but there was a different spirit <laughs> and I felt like the Lord said this he said watch this the kids are going to have fun tonight <laughs> and, and uh, actually Jeff, Jeff was walking over to prophesy and he said the kids are going to have fun tonight and and I, I believe really that's God's heart for you I, I so appreciate your work and God wants us to have fun, to enjoy Him, to delight in Him. Uh, you know, we, we, we take fun scriptures and we make them religious self of the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. We make all this theology about it, and you've got to do this. It's the steps to getting blessed. And, no, He just says, enjoy me, and you're going to like life a lot better. And so I, I'm so grateful, and I just loved the variety of people that came up and shared out of their heart and used the giftings in their life and even the exhortation there's more of you and 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 let god stretch you let god do things with you um, go home encouraged god god god's purpose of you being here was to bless you not to correct you and straighten you out and and give you 37 steps to a bigger church he just want to say hey well done I love you. I'm proud of you. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you in this. I'm really glad God's with us. Amen? And the Bible says, if he's with us, who can be against us? So, so we can laugh and we can enjoy and, and the kids can have fun. Amen? Well, I, I just uh, I want to thank uh, J.O. and Radine and this wonderful team and uh, worship team. Staff, you guys, amazing the servants in the house, uh, so so many ways. So for, even from the time you come in the parking lot, uh, just the attitude and the heart of, of servitude and, and love and, and just fun. And, um, and so I, I'm able to confess to you that I spilled a cup of coffee right there. <laughs> and I know you guys are going to have a servant's heart about it and just say, that's okay. Anyway, we just want it. We want you to know how much we love you, J.O. Your, 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 your team and your church excelled. And, and you know what? So did you guys. So did you guys. You got it. You had fun. Did you, how many got blessed? Amen? So go home, refresh, bless your church, and, and, and smile once in a while. It's amazing. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Amen? All right, God bless you. I want to pray for you, and then we're dismissed. Father, I thank you for these wonderful men and women, God, who give their lives to serve you. God, where it seems almost an obscurity. No one seems to notice. 
God, you notice. You, you see every act of sacrifice, every act of love that they commit, everything they do, Lord, you see it. And you give approval to it. Lord, you love each person here individually and personally. God, you uniquely created them, God, and you assigned them to where they are. God, help them not to say, this is a hard place. It's my place. It's the place that you put them, Lord. And God, help them to blossom and bloom and prosper in that place. God, give them a safe trip home and help them to bring blessing to their church. We ask in Jesus' name that all God's people said, amen. Now, do we have food back there? And and one other thing, uh, several people asked if you can get tapes or, or tapes. Jeez, I'm old. <laughs> if you... <laughs> It'll be it'll be up on the overhead projector. <laughs> so, if you can get uh, if you get if you can listen to the messages, and uh, you can go for right now, you can go to uh, Jail's website, and they're gonna get those messages on there if you want to hear them. Or people, uh, there was some really good preaching. <laughs> there's there was some really there's. There was some good preaching, and, and, and honestly, uh, there's some things that really are helpful. You might want to take them home and even listen with your team and, and process some of that stuff. So God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. Bless the food, Lord, and bless all these wonderful people. Thanks, buddy. Amen.